Today's scripture is Luke 19, 1 through 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be a guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the word of God. It is such a treat to be here, and I bring greetings from Maranatha Grace Church. It is a really wonderful partnership uh, in this, uh, for the sake of the gospel that we have together, sharing men's retreats, Good Friday services, and other events. It's really a treat to see familiar faces and meet some new ones, uh, new folks as well. Um, as we begin, would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your grace in our lives. We thank you for this opportunity now that you have allowed us to open your word and to look at it. And I pray that even as we do, that we would see the glory of Christ and that you would remind us of who we are in Him. That we would shape us by the gospel and even send us out of this place renewed by the gospel and encouraged and excited. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. It's warm out, and so if I might, uh, I want to talk about Christmas for a minute, uh, try to bring back some cooler feelings to mind. Uh, I'm not a very, tr- uh, I don't have, we don't have a lot of traditions in our family, but one of the traditions that we do have is every Christmas, uh, normally on the last day of school, um, our oldest son is in sec- just finished second grade, on the, on the last day of school, it's normally a half day, we come home, we make hot chocolate, and we put on uh, a Christmas Carol, a Dickens' A Christmas Carol. It used to be the George C. Scott one. For those that are particular about this, now it's the Muppets' Christmas Carol because of the kids. But <clears throat> no matter how many times we watch it, we absolutely love it. And if you if you're familiar, who's familiar with the Dickens' A Christmas Carol? Right. Uh, remember, it's it's Christmas Eve, and we, it zeroes in on a character named Ebenezer Scrooge, and he is the worst. He is a terrible person. He's miserly, grumpy, greedy. He's selfish. He's miserable. And as he, he is then met on that one Christmas Eve by three ghosts, the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future. And as these visitations happen, you see Ebenezer Scrooge being transformed through these visitations. And that when he wakes up on Christmas morning, he is no longer this miserly wretch. Instead, he is an example and a model of a new life. 
He is generous and he is utterly transformed so that he's barely recognizable on on the streets. People do double takes as they see him. He's wishing everyone Merry Christmas when before he only uttered humbug. And no matter how many times we watch it, it brings such joy as we see this person transformed in this movie. The scriptures are full of transformational stories like that of Scrooge, minus the visitation of the ghosts often. But, but, and one of the most memorable, especially if you've grown up in church, if you've grown up hearing Bible stories, one of the most memorable is this little story of a little man named Zacchaeus. And we've just had it read for us. And here's the point. Here's where we're going this morning. Is as we unpack this passage it's, it's my hope that while it's familiar, I want to kind of jump in it and try to find, the, find ourselves in the text that we would smell and see what's going on. Because in it, Luke gives us this short little 10-verse section of Scripture and, and as, as a way to package, to boil down the essence of what Christ's ministry is. It, it, it's, it's Christ's ministry in a nutshell. And as we understand that, it actually sets a pattern for us to understand how we walk in the newness of life that we have received by grace through Christ. And so for my outlining friends, I think it's in the bulletin, there's three kind of main headings. The story of a man, the mission of the son of man, and a pattern for us to follow. But we're jumping in very late in the book of Luke. And so... Just to give a little bit of context, Luke is writing uh, to a man named Theophilus. He tells us in the very opening paragraph, in verses 1 through 4, he's actually taken the time to compile all the teachings and all the the stories about Jesus into an orderly account so that this guy Theophilus and the, the wider readership would have certainty over what they have been taught about Jesus. He is giving eyewitness accounts. He's he's unpacking the story so that we would have confidence in who Jesus says he is and what they've learned about Jesus. And we've gone 18 chapters, and now in the beginning of chapter 19, Jesus, with his disciples, is walking up to Jerusalem. He is is facing the cross. He's about two weeks out, uh, possibly even only a week and a half out from Passion Week. And he has told... um, Uh, his disciples, why they were going up, but they still don't really fully understand it. He even said it a couple verses before. Look at chapter 18 and verse 31. And taking the 12, he said to them, see, we are going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. But they understood none of these things. The saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. They, there is a buzz about this crowd that's going out. It probably wasn't just Jesus and the disciples, the twelve. There was a, a bigger group, families, friends, all going up to celebrate the Passover. People traveled in groups for safety and for for ease, and so they would go up, they were going a larger group, but there was a particular buzz about this time. 
Largely because many thought Jesus was the Messiah, but they didn't think he was the Messiah that was going to lay down his life. They thought he was going to go there and start a political revolution where he was going to kick out the Roman oppressors. It was a political, it was a revolution that they were expecting. And so there's this buzz, there's this excitement about the the promises being fulfilled. And they would be, but just not in the way that they had anticipated. So there's this, this hubbub, this buzz going around as they enter this town of Jericho. And if you remember Jericho from the Old Testament, it, you know, around the walls of Jericho, Joshua and the armies marched, right? So, and then they yell, the walls come down. It never actually is rebuilt in that, that mighty city. Rather, now it's a trade post. This is a trade town where lots of commerce is going in and out. And... This is where we, 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 our story is situated, in this commercial town. And we can understand then that it, it was, it was a, a common place to uh, walk through because it was popular. They had resources there. It was kind of like a, a, a toll place that you would go through. And Jesus was not planning an extensive stay, but the passage explicitly tells us that he was passing through. And he was on his way to Jerusalem for the purpose of going to Mount Calvary. He has the cross in view even as he's passing through Jericho. And as Jesus and these travelers pass through, Luke stops, he pauses to tell us about Zacchaeus. And We only know a little bit about Zacchaeus. In fact, all that we know about him is captured in these little verses. And he's characterized by four things, particularly, and they're not very very flattering. One, he is a tax collector. A tax collector, uh, the way the taxes work, the the, uh, tax regions were, 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 were sold to people in those regions by the Romans. And so Zacchaeus is a Jewish guy who is bought this tax zone and that he is able now to levy taxes and and he he collects the money for Rome he's able to send that he's supposed to send that money back to Rome but he he's also incentivized to levy taxes in such a way that he's going to make his money that way too so as long as Rome gets a certain cut he can keep all the excess And clearly, this is the only time in Scripture that we ever hear of a chief tax collector. Because it's this trade place, there's probably a lot of tax tax collectors. And Zacchaeus was so good at what he does, he's actually the chief. He has all these people under him, too. He's a manager. He's really good at sucking money out from people. And he was rich. He was rich. His wealth came from income, both legitimate and illegitimate. He was authorized to be able to squeeze people dry. And he used all that excess to pad his own pocket. And let's be honest. I'm sorry, are there any people that are are accountants or tax people? CPAs? We're so glad you're here. But you know, like if you work for the IRS, again, we're thankful that you're here, but people, you know people don't really love you. And when you have to come with an audit or something, right? The Beatles said it so well in Taxman. 
let me tell you how it'll be. There's one for you, 19 for me, because I'm the tax man. Yeah, I'm the tax man. Should 5% appear too small, be thankful I don't take it all, because I'm the tax man. Yeah, I'm the tax man. If you drive a car, I'll tax the street. If you try to sit, I'll tax your seat. If you get too cold, I'll tax the heat. If you take a walk, I'll tax your feet. Don't ask me what I want it for. If you don't want to pay some more, because I'm the tax man. Yeah, I'm the tax man. Now, my advice for those who die, declare the pennies on your eyes, because I'm the tax man. Yeah, I'm the tax man. And you're working for no one but me. Again, nobody really likes tax guys anyway, but when they're getting rich off your back, then you really don't like them. Said plainly, Zacchaeus was hated, despised, and he was a crooked dude. In the parlance of our day, he was a bad hombre. Right? So he was seeking, but, but, but we also say that he was a chief tax, chief tax collector, he was, a, he was rich, and that he was seeking Jesus. As the disciples and others were going through and passing through Jericho, we can imagine the, the scene. And again, I want you to see the scene. It wasn't just random that he's just trying. If you remember like Sunday school books, you just see that like this one dude walking in an empty street. Think about it. This is a, this is a trade town. The, 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 the mode of transportation is by foot. They have about 15 miles left to get to, to Jerusalem. This is the last pit stop. So people that are selling wares and resources, food and lodging, they're coming out to try to get some business. And so there would have been a buzz about the town. And it would have filled into the main streets as this group passes through. This is, you know, like the, the, the signs on the highway. Fuel, two miles, next stop, 150. That sign is telling you if you don't have enough fuel, Stop and get over. That's what Jericho was in this time. And so as the, as the group comes into Jericho, the, 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 there was an added chaos and buzz about town. But, and I feel Zacchaeus' pain, he was short. And he couldn't see over the crowd. And that's the fourth thing that we see. His height creates a problem. Zacchaeus was curious, and he wanted to see who Jesus was. He's trying to get into the action, but he couldn't. So get this picture. Zacchaeus was a rich dude. No doubt, he was dressed like a rich dude, right? And that he would have been known by the town of who he was and despised as a result of that. And as the crowds come, he's trying to needle his way in, right? And here's where democracy and, 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 and justice comes in for the masses. Because these bigger dudes can just close off their shoulders and lock him out. You know when you're driving on the highway and there's like the merge lane and that, that one person drives it all the way past where the merge lane ends and they're driving on their shoulder and they're trying to cut you in front and then you squeeze up in front of the next car and then you don't make eye contact with that person. You're like, I don't see you. I don't see you. Because you're not getting in. They're trying to button line. And now this is, the, this is this small little bit where they can get back at Zacchaeus. I know you want to get in, but you're not. But the reality is, is he was persistent. 
And I recall, I, I, there was a situation where this happened to me. Um, I, used, I, I, I still do, but um, I used to go and go to fish concerts with P-H-I-S-H. They're a hippie jam band. You can make whatever judgment you want about that. Um, but I used to go and, and travel to, to concerts. And I remember the, I went to three concerts in a row in Virginia, Virginia Beach. And <clears throat> each night, they were general admission tickets. So you know general admission tickets? You don't have a seat to sit in. It's just a big mass at the front of the door, and everyone rushes to get to the great seats. And so the doors were open, set to open at a certain time. And we got there a little early, but not crazy early. And by that time, the lines created, were just a huge mob of people. And again, I'm little like Zacchaeus. And so I really wanted a great seat because I had paid money. And so I wanted to, I needed to f- figure out a way. So this is early flip phone days. But I remember I took out my phone and I started acting like I was talking to my friend. Oh, you're, you're where? By that door? And I started to work my way around, and each of the three nights, I found myself at the front door, and we got great seats as soon as the doors opened. Because I was more than just interested in seeing the show and having great seats. I desired it. It was more than, it was, it was compelling to me. It made me want to be persistent. And that's exactly what we see in the story of Zacchaeus. He's determined, and so he runs ahead, and famously, he climbs a tree, a sycamore tree, or some might say a mulberry tree. It's, it's, it's like a little dumpy tree. It's more of like a perch than a big kind of sprawling tree. And this sounds interesting. That's why we, I think we tell it to kids. It's a cute story. But as you sit here, does it sound compelling? Is this shocking? Because Luke intends it to be. It's shocking because during this time and in this place, men of prominence, men of wealth, men of power, they didn't run. Zacchaeus could have easily have hired his servants to go carve out some space for him. Kids ran, little girls and little boys. Perhaps even poor people ran. But the chief tax collector? He would have had to, you know, pull up his robe, show a little leg, and hoof it down the road. He would have have looked foolish running ahead of the crowd. But that's what he does. And even more, to climb a tree in the same way, that's what kids did. Kids play in trees. You know, we have little kids, four little kids, and our oldest son is almost eight. And he's starting to get into climbing trees. And I try now. I'm like, oh, man, I'm like, I'm out of shape. I can't do it anymore. It's like, I'm going to, like, I get, like, you know, um, the height even makes me nervous these days. I'm no longer a kid. For him to climb a tree, we see that more than curiosity is at play. Throughout the Gospels, Luke has included stories of Jesus' life and ministry. And that these stories were were told throughout the towns. And so as Jesus came in, people were abuzz with wanting to meet him. And so no doubt that as Zacchaeus comes in, he has heard the reports of the one who raised the dead, who cast out demons, who healed the sick and the lame, who confronted the Pharisees or the religious elite 
who, the one who ate with sinners, the one who even recruited tax collectors to be a part of his gang, and the one who taught with, with great authority. See, for Zacchaeus, it's more than mere curiosity. He wants to see Jesus. Let me just take a pause here. I don't know where many of you are. Some of you, you feel like you've been, had to, you had to go through all this effort just to get here this morning. Whatever it is, like whatever barriers, family, fear, uh, just shuffling work. You've, you've made a lot of effort just to get here. We're so glad you did. I know for Pastor Rob and the other elders, they would love to know more of your story. Uh, and you, like Zacchaeus, you, you want to see this Jesus. You want to learn more. And I invite you to, to talk to them after because they would love to, to talk more with you. So that's the end of the aside. Back to the, the regular scheduled program. But then as Zacchaeus is now up in the tree, we come to verses 5 and 6. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. For I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. Jesus stops as he gets to the tree. Looks up and sees Zacchaeus and his efforts. Knowing his thoughts, he says his name. We don't know how he knows his, how he, how he knows his name. Luke doesn't tell us explicitly. But he, he's left breadcrumbs throughout the whole gospel account of how Jesus knows his name. Because Jesus knows more than just his name. He knows his thoughts and his hearts. He knows him intimately because Jesus is no ordinary man. He is the one, the one to whom all things were, uh, the one who created all things and the one who holds all things together. Jesus knows Zacchaeus' name because he is Zacchaeus' creator. He knows him personally. And friend, God knows your name too. Jesus knows your name. He made you. He knows you inside and out. And as, and as Jesus says his name, you can imagine a pause in Zacchaeus. You can even imagine the people in, in the crowd going, all right. Do you guys remember being in school? Some of you are still in school, but you remember in school there's that one person in your class that always is a distraction and the teacher always had to stop and be like, Billy, please stop. And it would, it would derail the whole class. And then finally, all the nonsense built up to a time the teacher goes, Billy, that's it, get out. And everyone's like, yes. I bet you a lot of people in the crowd felt that same way. Finally. He's going to get it. Let's throw those lightning bolts, Jesus. If I thought, justice, finally, this guy, this traitor. But here Luke turns the story completely on its head. We often see this story as Zacchaeus trying to get to Jesus, but Jesus says something completely different. You see, Jesus says, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, 
for I must stay at your house today. Some translations say it is necessary. In other words, Jesus is saying that the, po- the very point of me passing through Jericho is to meet with you, Zacchaeus. I'm the one seeking you, not you seeking me. And in here we see God's providence, his, his, his governing of the universe, his sovereignty, his rightful rule and reign over all things. He has ordained this moment where Jesus and Zacchaeus are going to meet. It was necessary. This was a God-ordained moment. But here's the thing, this providence, this sovereignty, Jesus knowing everything, this this omniscient knowledge of Zacchaeus, it is exposing and, and, and likely it was overwhelming for Zacchaeus. But it is not just merely theological data or fancy words like providence or sovereignty. Rather, it is not merely these terms that we throw out. But what meets Zacchaeus is a person, relationship. It's God himself. He's in front of Zacchaeus. And he meets him not with wrath, but with grace. Sweet, savory grace. Pure, unmerited grace favor. Jesus meets Zacchaeus right where he is. He doesn't say, Zacchaeus, you got to clean yourself up before we're going to hang out. He doesn't say, okay, follow all these rules and then we'll be friends. Jesus comes to him right where he is, stuck up in a mulberry bush. And the reality is, is that's exactly how Jesus has come to me And if you have received his grace, that's exactly how he came to you. He met you right where you were. Some of you may be trying to like fix yourself. I need to get these things right before God would approve approve of me. Jesus, this passage shows us God comes to right where we are. And he exposes us. And that should, he pulls the roof off. He pulls the walls down. He knows us intimately. And even then he goes, and I'm still standing in front of you holding out grace for you. I know you. I love you. And I want to to fellowship with you. I want to be in a relationship with you. At the hearing of this, Zacchaeus is completely overwhelmed. This invitation is irresistible. And he runs down the tree, scurries down like a squirrel, and receives him with joy. But even as they're going into Zacchaeus' house, you hear the crowd. Verse 7, check it out. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. I love the message as, as just a, a, a good Uh, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of the Bible. It's fun to read the verses the way that he's interpreted it. And he he writes verse 7 this way. Everyone who saw the incident was indignant and grumped. Isn't that a good word, grumped? What business does he, they said, what business does he have getting cozy with this crook? The people grumbled as they saw Jesus, who they understood to be a prophet, a righteous one. 
If you were a prophet, why would you affiliate yourself and fraternize with such a low-down, miserable dude? Do you know who he is? I guess you're not that smart after all, Jesus. You know his name. You, you clearly see what he does, and you're going to go into his house? But I think we can sympathize with the crowd. Isn't this how we often respond when people receive grace and when we want them to receive justice? can't believe they got off like that. But this is what grace is. I bet you Zacchaeus in his mind going, I can't even believe what is going on right now. The grace of God is scandalous. Zacchaeus deserves justice, but he's shown grace and favor. And friend, if you follow Jesus, what you deserve is justice and wrath but you have received grace upon grace. Zacchaeus didn't deserve it, and neither do you or neither do I, but Jesus goes out to seek him and to save him. And Zacchaeus is undone by this. In verse eight, we see this. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Zacchaeus pledges generosity and restitution. Notice, not just of his bank account, but of what? All his belongings. He says, I'm going to give half away of everything that I have, but even more, I, I am also going to repay people up to fourfold when I, if I've defrauded them. If I've taken money from them illegally, I will pay them back fourfold. Now, you can read in Leviticus 5 and 6 and in Numbers uh, 5 about they were t- if you were to defraud someone, you were supposed to give, give what you owed, what you took, and then 20%. He says fourfold. Now, I'm not very good at math, so I'll let you know. The, you can figure out the percentages, but... He, he exercises the, the, over the max of what the law requires. And, and the purpose of this is that we see that there's more than just the law at play. What we see in Zacchaeus is someone who has encountered the radical grace of Jesus. We see evidence of a thoroughly converted person. Zacchaeus had placed his faith in Christ. He had heard the reports and now In coming down, we see that he has received Christ. He has turned from his way and now trusted in Christ. And in his actions, they demonstrate true, real, honest repentance. Let me ask you, if you've received the grace of God, has your life been reordered by that grace? Have you been so transformed that the the grace that you have received has shifted everything about the way that you understand who even you are, what you have, the way that you relate with others? Friend, if you have received this grace, let us let the overwhelming nature of it renew and shape your mind and your thinking, that your response would be like Zacchaeus's, 
generous. They would seek to reconcile with those that you have wronged. They would seek to restore, to make whole. And that you would be renewed in passion and in joy. That's what it's like to have a, a life that is shaped by grace. But, you know, I think the crowd was still clucking. You know, he's just putting on an act. Wait until Jesus goes out of town and we're going to get the old Zacchaeus back. They doubted what Jesus was bringing. They questioned it, I'm sure. I remember when I was first converted, I was in college. It was a summer between my, my third year and my fourth year. The Lord saved me, showed grace to me. And I remember a friend of mine, he said, look, man, this is a phase. Just let it die down. Don't get too crazy about Jesus. Soon this is going to pass. Um, just, just don't go too crazy. Just give it, give it a minute and you'll be fine. And I was like, I don't think this is just a phase. I think Jesus really changed my life like from the inside out. I don't see things the same way anymore. But remember, he, he, he made it his, his ambition to cause me to stumble in my Christian walk. And in a lot of ways, that created a lot of uncertainty. I didn't have assurance of my salvation. It wasn't until later where folks pointed to, to wonderful passages in Scripture that Jesus talks about. And, and I wish I would have been showed this passage even then. Even as Zacchaeus has, has demonstrated this repentance as he's been converted, Jesus says to him as a means to assure him, even in the face of a, of a skeptical, antagonistic crowd, and Jesus said to Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. Jesus vouches for Zacchaeus. And he verifies that salvation, genuine, authentic, salvation has come to this house. And on account of his faith and repentance, he looks like his father Abraham, who, who had faith in God and it was counted to him as righteousness. That's the same faith that, that now Christ, God's righteousness, is, is imputed is given to Zacchaeus, not because of his own efforts, but because of his faith in Christ. The Apostle John, who was in this crowd, would, decades later, write to assure a troubled church about who they are in Christ. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 1, To see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. Later in that same chapter, he writes, By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts 
and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. That God's word about us, that salvation has come because of our faith in Christ, is greater than, than the doubts that often seep in. And that assurance is for us to stand firm in and to, to revel in. And Jesus is saying, Zacchaeus, I want you to know something. You are welcome. You are home. You are part of the family. And you see, salvation is not just this idea of like, we're free of the sin, but Salvation is also a welcomed into the family of God. Sin has separated us from God. We are alienated. We are dead, as was read earlier. But Christ has come to bring us home. We were made to know him. Christ has come to live the life that we should have lived and die the death that we deserve to die so that he could, we could be brought home. And in this way, Zacchaeus was saved, was welcomed home, and was transformed. That's the story of a man. Much shorter is this, the mission of the Son of Man. And it brings us to the last verse of our passage. Jesus says, after he says that salvation has come, that for the Son of Man came... The purpose of his coming was to seek and to save the lost. This is one of the theme verses of the whole book of Luke. And Luke doesn't just throw it in there willy-nilly. It's actually, he has orchestrated, the, the, he's created this orderly account so that as Jesus is about to go into his final week, the rest of the, the chapters through chapter 24, they all deal with one week. But he's led us to this point. So this, this verse gets our mind ready for Passion Week. We understand why he's going to the cross. And he has been building this passage. In fact, I actually think if you turn back very quickly, chapter 18, and, and if you have a Bible with the headings, I'm just going to use the headings. These are not inspired scripture. These are from the editors. But they're very helpful. Because I think that Zacchaeus... This story is actually a small little encapsulation of the whole chapter 18. And that Luke has been building this story, building it, building it, building it, so it smacks us in the face in a good way. In, in, in chapter 18, we see the parable of the persistent widow. The one that is going to the judge. Zacchaeus was the persistent one. He would not quit even though the, 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 the crowd blocked him out. He, he is the, the, the tax collector who beats his chest and who understands his, the, his own guilt and his own standing before God. He won't even lift up his eyes before the heavens, but beats his breast. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He understands who he is. He's like the little child that is not scared to run and to climb trees to go see Jesus. He is the rich young ruler who will actually give up his things and follow the true king. He heard the reports and he knew of who Christ is. And, and he saw like the blind beggar with eyes of faith, not with his actual eyes, but with eyes of faith. He saw Jesus for who he was, God in the flesh and Savior that has come. 
But I think Luke is even doing something even bigger than that. Because this phrase, to seek and to save the lost, was meant, Jesus throws this as, as, a, as a good kind of grenade in the middle of the crowd. Because this was a phrase that was used in the book of Ezekiel. Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 34. Of, of in the Old Testament, look, longing for the Messiah to come, the new covenant to come. God, through Ezekiel, says this in Chapter 34, verse 11. For thus says the Lord, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. Scoot your eye down to 15. I myself will be the shepherd of my people. Of my sheep, and I will make them lie down, declares the Lord. I will seek the lost, and I will bring that back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy, and I will feed them in justice. Verse 22 I will rescue my flocks, they shall no longer be a prey, and I will judge between sheep and sheep, and I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. Jesus is saying, I am the one who was promised. And I have come. And I have come to bring back the lost sheep of, of, of my house. Those that have scattered I have left the 99 and I'm going to find the one. And Jesus says in John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The way that he's going to bring back the sheep into the fold is he is going to lay down his life for the sheep. A friend of mine, one of our colleagues, uh, the youth director at Maranatha, he says it this way. The only reason that Jesus can tell Zacchaeus to come down from that tree is because Jesus refused to come down from the tree on Calvary's cross. He hung up there, taking the wrath of God so that we may know the riches of his mercy. That we would no longer be lost, but welcomed home. We're about to come to the table. We're no longer aliens and strangers, but Jesus says, come, I've prepared a feast for you. Eat and be full, for you are made to know me. And in your, your sin, you run. And Zacchaeus, in the eyes of the world, he was successful. Rich, powerful, popular in a sense. The Romans liked him. Those were the ones that mattered. He had a reputation. But all of it was nothing. He saw that. He saw the emptiness of it. When he saw Jesus, to come home never felt so good. 
what, what Luke is showing us in this passage. He's showing us the overall paradigm and the summary of the mission of Jesus. Jesus came not to be just a nice guy, not just to be a moral example, not to start a new political system. He came to re- rescue ruined sinners and to bring them home. His people he came to redeem. And Christ's mission continues this day through his spirit at work in his church, you and me. And he has instructed us to continue that mission even as the Nigeria team is going to go. To go and make disciples, I'm sorry, Namibia, sorry, that he's instructed us to go and make disciples of all nations, to go in his power to seek and to save the lost. Not that we can save anybody, but that we can point them to the one who can and the one who has. And so, as I close, I want to just highlight a couple things about how we can then, as we understand the story of a man named Zacchaeus, and we understand the mission of the Son of Man was to seek and to save the lost, was to God to welcome home his people, those lost sheep. How can we, what are the patterns for us to follow? One, is that we can follow the pattern of Zacchaeus and seek Jesus out. Again, if you were here and you have never trusted in Christ, we are so glad you're here. And we hope that you would know the joy that he offers. He he is offering new life, rescue, hope, forgiveness, joy, joy that will last forever. And he says, come down from the tree. Some of you have been in church your whole lives. And you've just been content with sitting in the tree, looking down and going, oh, there's Jesus passing. Cool. But he stands here and goes, no, 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 no. Enter into relationship. I, I care to know you intimately and fellowship with you. So I invite you to come down. For many of you, you have trusted in Christ. And I know this firsthand. My own desire to, run, to seek out the Lord on a daily basis waxes and wanes. Some weeks, it's, some days it's really, I want to be in the Lord's presence. And other days, not so much. Maybe that, that resonates with you. But what we can see from Zacchaeus is that he put himself in the position for Jesus to run into him. And the way that we do that is by going to God's word and, and reading it. God has revealed himself. He is not hiding behind some rock going, find me if you can. Rather, he has revealed himself in his word that we would know him. And in prayer, even as our sister prayed for Pastor Rob, that he would be a man of prayer. But that's, that's what God delights for all believers, that we would be people of prayer, that we would share in community life, that part of the ways that we run into Jesus is by sharing our lives with one another. Living life together. Pointing one another to Jesus. But through rep- rep- uh, sorry, repentance. 
right? Turning from sin, turning from the things that we're holding on to instead of trusting fully in Christ. I mean, we run into Jesus, the, the, we, we, we seek out Jesus by reconciling where we have wronged people. One of the evidences of the gospel is that we are people that have been reconciled first to God and now to one another. And that we would be people that are generous. That we would be, that we would not hoard, but share as God has shared with us. That's how we can follow the pattern of Zacchaeus. But we also can follow the, the pattern of Christ. This is, don't hear me wrongly, this is not work salvation. This doesn't, I have to look like Christ in order for Christ to approve of me. Rather, as we have received God's grace, again, it so transforms us, renews us, that it shapes the way that we live. And the reality is, is all of us have been outsiders to the kingdom of God, and by grace, we, through faith in Christ, we have become insiders. One of the amazing things about the church is as you look around, you go, never in a million years would I be friends with that person, if left to myself. One of my best friends in, in graduate school was this guy, Marcus. Marcus and I could not be more different. We were like polar opposites. But through the gospel, he became my best friend and a great source of encouragement. And maybe you have felt that and you go, oh my goodness, the community, the love that I experience here is so amazing. And, and that's wonderful. But I encourage you, don't just stay there. Going to seminary, we called it the bubble. On campus, everyone's Christian, everyone's talking about the gospel, and, it, it, and it's wonderful, and it's refreshing. But if you stay there, you just stay in the bubble. God didn't just save us to be like a holy huddle and wait for his return. Rather, that as we are renewed, he sends us back out to make, to, to share this message of grace that we've received with others. And so ask for divine sensitivity. Ask the Lord, Lord, who have you placed in my life that you're calling to yourself? Just like it was no accident that Jesus passed through Jericho to find Zacchaeus. Your work, your home, your neighborhood, your little league team, that isn't an accident. God has placed you there. So ask the Lord. Now, don't be weird Christians, please. You know, like, like you know, like there's a, you know, remember, like, one of my favorite tools, I'm not a very handy person, but one of my favorite tools is a stud finder. And, like, because I just think it's funny that you can move a wall and then a light shows up. I just think it's great. But you know what a stud finder is? Like where you move it along the wall and it finds the studs behind the wall. Like, don't be like that at your workplace. Like, Lord, who are you? Okay, I'm going to talk to you about Jesus. That, that, like, but, but think, that who have you placed in my life? Parents, your kids. Point them to Jesus. Workers, your colleagues, family, aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters. Your neighbors. And ask the Lord to remove 
the hindrances that you even see in yourself, just like the crowds all of Zacchaeus, he's too far gone. He doesn't deserve it. I'd rather say, Lord, help me to see people through your eyes, that you've redeemed even the worst of sinners. The reality is, is Jesus has come to seek and save the lost. He is the great shepherd who is still gathering his flock from every tribe, nation, and tongue. And so as those that have been transformed by this grace, we are, he welcomes us into him. He allows us to join him in his work of drawing people to himself. Again, not that we save anybody, but we simply point them to the one who can. And so, friends, let us follow Christ's pattern for ministry to seek, as we seek to serve him, as we continue to carry out his mission that he has given to us by the power of his spirit at work within us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the story of Zacchaeus. So many of us, it's very familiar. So we often just pass over it. Many of us, even in our own lives, the story of the gospel and how it's transformed us is, is an old one. And so we quickly, we often forget the power of it, the joy of it. And I pray that even this morning, this afternoon, we would consider the grace that you have shown us and that it would renew and rejuvenate us it would stir our hearts to deep affection. Lord, in your kindness, I pray that you would lead us to repentance of things that we, have, we love more than you. And things that keep us from experiencing the fullness of joy. Lord, I pray that you would, that we would be marked by those who have been transformed by the gospel. Lord, I pray that you would use us by your spirit to go out and share this good news that we have received and that you would be pleased to draw others to yourself for your glory and our good so that the fame of your name would, would fill the earth as the oceans cover the seas. We thank you that for this time together and even as we about to come to the table, Lord, I pray that that would be a reminder of the welcome that you have given to us through Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.